Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be magnifying the Lord. Let's begin today in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in the 45th verse, it says, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit have rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Verse 46 told us, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. We hear this term, magnify the Lord, a lot. But what does this actually mean, and how do we do it? Is this the same as praising and worshiping, or is it something different? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves. The word magnify in Greek means to make or declare great, to enlarge, lengthen, to increase, to extol. This is interesting when we're talking about God, because God can't be enlarged. He can't be increased. He's already great. We can't make Him great. So what would magnifying Him really do? The first thing that we need to understand is that we serve a big God. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's the beginning and end. He's the first and last, the Alpha and the Omega. He's infinite and eternal. He can't be made any bigger than He already is, because He is everything and He is everywhere. Knowing this and truly understanding it would make it seem that magnifying isn't even an option. But this is because many Christians misunderstand what our call to magnify the Lord actually means. Mary did it, so we know that it's possible, and we know that it is something that we should do. But how can we do it? We've all seen a magnifying glass before. It can teach us a lot about magnifying the Lord. The object that's being magnified isn't actually enlarged. The physical dimensions don't actually increase or change. It's just the way that we see it and perceive it that changes. We see the object as bigger, and because of this, our understanding of it increases. This natural reality is paralleled in the spiritual only more so. Magnifying the Lord isn't making Him bigger. It's seeing Him bigger. This has to do with how we perceive and understand God. Many people serve God, but they only see Him as a small, limited, weak God, and their relationship with Him suffers because of it. Many say that they serve a big God, but their actions and their time alone with God tell a different story. We know that we serve a big God, But how do we actually come to see Him in that way? Many people are looking for the wrong lens. Many people are looking at God through a natural lens instead of a spiritual lens. They're trying to understand God the same way that they understand natural things. But this doesn't work, and it gives us a very skewed and deluded picture of God. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Some view God as limited in the same way that they're limited. This is a lot more common than we may think. It would even be safe to say that a majority of Christians view God through a natural lens. 
This manifests itself in countless ways. Some people don't believe God can do miracles or healings because they are not natural and they go against human understanding. They put a limit on God because it's not explainable in the natural. Others do it concerning prayers. They think God couldn't possibly hear and answer everyone's prayers all at once. He'll only answer the most important, and theirs will get lost somewhere in a sea of minor unanswered prayers. Their natural lens makes them see God in a natural, limited way. Some people do it with forgiveness, thinking that God couldn't possibly forgive them for all that they've done. And others even do it about God's love, thinking that His love for them is based on their performance or their being in right standing with Him. They make His love out to be conditional when it was meant to be the exact opposite. These things aren't true, and they just place unnecessary restrictions on God. It's important for us to realize that when we limit God through saying and thinking these types of things, God doesn't actually become limited. That's not possible. But we're actually limiting ourselves. We restrict ourselves. We hold ourselves back. We limit how much we can receive from Him, and the effects become clearly evident in our walk of faith. Some people complain that they're not receiving any words from the Lord, or they're not getting any miracles, or their prayers don't seem to be answered. Maybe if all these things seem to be happening to others, but not to us, maybe it's not God trying to hold back the blessings from us. Maybe it's us holding them back from ourselves. Maybe God isn't the problem. Maybe the problem is us. It takes honesty and courage to come to this realization, but it's needed in the church today. Because the church has stalled and stunted its own growth, its own power, and its own effectiveness because they've limited God. This isn't only an individual problem. Entire denominations have made this mistake. There are plenty of denominations that teach that miracles and healings no longer happen. They say that those things only happen when Christ was physically on the earth. But since He's no longer here, they don't happen anymore. To the natural mind, that seems perfectly reasonable and even plausible. But it's not true, because they ignore the fact that the Bible never indicated that miracles would stop after Christ ascended to heaven. They ignore the fact that a cessation of miracles was never prophesied by any prophet. And they ignore the fact that miracles did happen in the book of Acts and in the epistles after Christ had already left. If the early church could see these things, there's no reason at all that we can't have the same things today. So why don't we see these things on a larger scale? God hasn't changed. He's just as powerful and just as big as He's ever been. But the church changed. Instead of magnifying Him, they minimized Him. If Christ lives in us right now, the same God who did all those miracles long ago, then He is still here in the world today. So why can't He do miracles? They make it seem like God changed, when really it's just them who've changed. We have to look for the supernatural lens, seeing God for the big God that He actually is. When you start with an understanding that the supernatural is a real and active realm, then it's not hard to come to the conclusion that miracles still do happen, that God hears and answers all of our prayers, that He's completely and forever forgiven us, and that He unconditionally loves us, among many other things. God isn't limited like humans are. This lens is our magnifying glass. It enables us to see Him as bigger. But how exactly do we do this? Magnifying God is actually directed more towards us than it is towards God, because it changes how we see God, which entails a change in how we interact with Him. He's honored when we see Him as the big God that He is. 
The first component of this is that God needs to show himself to be a big God. If God calls us to see him as big, the burden of proof is on him. He is to make it clear to us that he is who he says he is. And in all of our lives, throughout scripture and throughout history, he's done this. Mary saw firsthand that God was a big God, which prepared her to be able to magnify him in faith. Verse 49 of Luke chapter 1 said, For he that is mighty have done to me great things, and holy is his name. Luke 1 and 58, speaking of Elizabeth, her cousin, says, And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. The phrase, had showed great, is the same word in Greek that we saw earlier for magnify. The Lord demonstrated his greatness, which then informed her perspective and mentality concerning him, and it works the same way in our lives today. Once we've seen and experienced his greatness firsthand, then we know that he's great, and it's no longer a blind leap of faith to see him as great and to ask for great things. Acts 19 and 17, which followed the possessed man being delivered, also reveals this to us. It says, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. The last phrase in the Young's literal translation, which keeps the Greek in its original tense, says, And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. The Lord was showing his greatness to those who saw the man's deliverance. It was happening right before them. He was demonstrating his power, his love, his mercy and compassion. And because of this, the people were now able to see him bigger. Verse 20, three verses later, tells us, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Nothing was added to the word. It wasn't enlarged or increased in word count or even in meaning. It was that they saw it bigger. They understood it more fully. And they saw it for its real full meaning. And since the word is the verbal expression of God himself, it shows that they saw God bigger. They were able to enlarge their perception of him, his ability, and his power, and it made a real difference in their lives. These men went on to call on Jesus and be saved. We can all recount plenty of times throughout our lives when God demonstrated his greatness. Once he proves that he is a big God, which he has already done throughout scripture and our own experiences, then we still have a role that we have to play. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, Beginning in the 22nd verse, it says, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Our role is adjusting our sight. If we grew up in a town with buildings that were only one or two stories tall and never knew of any different types of buildings, we would consider a two-story building as very tall. And if we then took a trip to New York City and saw all the skyscrapers, we would have to change the way that we look at and perceive buildings. It would change how we measure the size of buildings. In the spiritual, we all experienced this when we got saved. We found out that God wanted to have a personal, intimate relationship with us, and we had to change our way of looking at God. And there's many Christians who have to allow the way that they view God to change again. Now they have to magnify Him. They have to enlarge their idea of God, His power, His love, His blessings, His grace, and every other aspect of Him. Verse 24 said, 
Take heed what ye hear. One of the greatest ways to begin to change how we see the Lord is through immersing ourselves in the Word of God, allowing it to become the centerpiece of our lives. When we're actively studying and meditating on the Word, we'll start to see God for who He really is. We'll better understand Him, and we'll understand His plans for our lives. We'll see all the promises that He's given to us. The Word is our starting place, because Romans 10 and 17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Since hearing comes from the Word, we can't take heed to what we hear without it. Once we're actively studying and hearing the Word, it will lead to faith, which is necessary in seeing God as the big God that He is. Catherine Kuhlman, the great revivalist, once said, Faith is not believing what you see, it's seeing what you believe. You have to see what you believe, and you can only do that when you see a big God behind the big blessings, the big deliverance, the big miracle, the big answer to prayer. We need big faith. Without it, we won't see the big things that God wants to do in our lives. When we magnify God, it not only honors and glorifies Him, it also changes our life. Because once God is exalted, He will then exalt us too. Acts 5 and 13, speaking of the apostles, says, And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. 2 Corinthians 10 and 15 also shed some light on this. It says, Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. The word enlarged here is the same Greek word used for magnify. He's saying, we shall be magnified by you. We also find in the sentence before that he said, when your faith is increased. This shows even more clearly the relationship that exists between faith and magnifying the Lord. We need big faith. It's our faith that is the measure that we saw earlier. When we pray for healing, do we have faith for a complete healing or only for a partial one? When we're praying, do we have faith that God will hear and answer in full? Or are we just hoping that he might answer? When we're asking for forgiveness, do we really know that He has forgiven us, or are we just assuming that He might want to if He feels like it? What's our measure? Some people measure out a little, and they get a little. Some people measure a medium amount, and they get that same amount. But then there are the few Christians who really take God at His word, who really know Him to be who He says He is, and ask for big things, and because of that they receive big things. They serve a big, abundant God, and they live a big, abundant life because of it. His word tells us that we can live that abundant life. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. This abundant life is available to us, if only we'll magnify the Lord, if only we'll see Him bigger. This change in how we see God should change the way that we pray. It should give us boldness and courage, knowing that we serve a God who can and will do anything. Hebrews 4 and 16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly because we know that there's nothing that God can't handle. There's no problem bigger than God. There's no disease bigger than God. There's no name higher than His. There's no demon more powerful. There's no sin larger than His grace. Then once we're before Him, in His presence, we should ask boldly. We should ask for big things. We should have big dreams and big aspirations. We should have big goals. 
And we can trust that when we make these big desires known to God, that He will perfectly take care of them and even go beyond what we thought possible. Ephesians 3 and 20 tells us, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God will go above and beyond what we ask when we ask in His will and when we ask in faith. Magnifying God increases our faith because it increases the bounds of what we believe to be possible with God. As the extent of our faith grows further and further, so will the amount and extent of the blessings that we receive and enjoy in our life. Luke 1 and 37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Matthew 19 and 26 also tells us, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Earlier, verse 24 told us, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. This is a great promise from the Lord, and we need to claim this using our big faith and a big God. Let's go to James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, beginning in the fifth verse, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The devil will not sit idly by while we magnify the Lord and see our faith increase. He will try everything he can to stop this from happening. One of his most common routes of attack will be through doubt. Doubt fills the vacancy where faith is missing. It's the opposite of faith, and we can't really magnify the Lord if we're still harboring doubts in our heart. We shouldn't tolerate doubts, because then we're still clinging on to the natural lens. The devil knows that we're so accustomed to seeing and understanding things in a natural way that we don't want to change. Many people don't want to accept the supernatural because it means a reordering of the way that they think and act. The devil knows this inclination of the human heart, and he uses it to his advantage. Doubts are always originated from seeing God purely through the natural. All people intuitively know that if there is a supernatural realm, that the Lord is free to do whatsoever He pleases there, no matter how hard, no matter how big, no matter how difficult, He can do it all, because limitations don't exist there. There is no time, no place, no matter. Anything can be done at any time. In order to prevent a person from getting to the point where they see God in the proper supernatural lens, he'll attempt to fill their minds with doubt. This most commonly manifests in the form of his either questioning God's truthfulness or his questioning God's ability. Doubts diminish our ability to measure at the size that we should be. They make us start to think that maybe there are limits to what we can ask for, what we can do, or even what God can do. We can't allow these doubts to gain a foothold in our minds and hearts. We have to check them against the Word of God, standing on the Lord's promises in faith. Don't allow yourself to be content with a small, deluded, weak, ineffective idea of God. That's not the God that we serve. When we make the choice to magnify the Lord and see Him bigger, it will bring about a change in our life, and that change will come with joy and rejoicing. After Mary magnified the Lord, verse 47 said, and my spirit have rejoiced in God my Savior. The same thing happened with Elizabeth later in the chapter. Verse 58 told us, 
And her neighbors and cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. It comes with rejoicing, because serving a big God leads to big joy. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are a big and a great God who does big and great things. Lord, we ask for the wisdom and the strength to magnify you in the way that you would have us to do so, to see you as a big and a great God. Lord, we know that your wisdom and your treasures and your riches are inexhaustible, that there's always more to find in you. Lord, we thank you that your word is inexhaustible, and we thank you that you've given us your word so that we might hear, and that our hearing may lead to us having bigger and greater faith. Lord, we thank you for all the experiences in our life that you've given us, that you've shown us firsthand that you are a great God. We thank you for all the experiences that we find of your people in Scripture who saw firsthand that you were great, and all those through history who saw the same things. Lord, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are great. We know that you've done great things, and because of that, we know that there are great things planned for your people in the future. Lord, give us the boldness and the courage to ask for big things, to dream big things. And Lord, we thank you for the big blessings and the big joy that are on the way. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to magnify the Lord and of Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.